0: As you move into your older and wiser years, you may have questions about your finances, your health, or what to do for fun besides watching young people try to figure life out. Oh,
1: man, this guy's a moron.
0: The next hour is dedicated to you.
2: This
0: is 50 Plus. Because women never age and old school will always be cool. 50 Plus. Brought to you by the UT Health Consortium on Aging. Informed decisions for a healthier, happier life. Here's Doug Pike.
3: All right. Welcome to 50 Plus. Welcome again. Where where most of us, frankly, are smarter than most of them. And by them. Of course, I mean, the millennials, the Gen Xs, the Gen, generally everybody younger than 50, I guess. There's a lot more to be said for living a long time these days. We older folks know stuff that young people can't learn unless they live long enough. We might not know how to, what, write computer code or order a venti do with an extra shot of pathetic on our phones or how to play Fortnite, but we know how the real world works. And we know what's coming if this current bunch keeps putting more importance on video games than on economics and world financial markets and how in the world young people, at the rate they're going, are going to generate enough tax revenue to pay our medical bills the same way we've been paying for the generations that came before ours. Yeah, but enough of that. I, I officially passed my tolerance threshold for rainy weather several days ago. And honestly, I'm looking optimistically forward to whatever hour of whatever day the sun finally comes out and stays out for more than about ten minutes. Forecast call for return of the sun today and and for once, I hope they're right. I don't know what time. If you haven't seen it yet, don't dismay. your turn is coming. Your turn is coming. You will see the sun, I promise. I just can't tell you when. And coming up on 50 Plus, we'll talk about several things. Of course, we always do. Three interviews coming behind this opening monologue. I am trying to find a sponsor to, to pick up a couple of minutes of this monologue, so uh, less of me and more of you, more of them, will make for better program, I hope. I'll find one. Something worthy of the space, certainly. Worthy of this audience. Uh, so what's coming up today we will we will talk to uh, an expert in landscaping on how to pamper these rain soaked yards and and trees and and shrubs of ours make sure they survive this long run of of sop and slop and mud and the commercial mowers that have been pushed over most of these super wet lawns and left a bunch of ruts uh, we get our guy, our yard guy, uses a little mower, and that's by instruction. They do not drop that thing that has the six-inch wide tires and weighs a ton, and you put another big guy on top of that, and it just ruts up your yard when it's wet. I don't want that. I want it mowed slowly and efficiently, old school, only the part that comes with me pushing it, that's thats out. I pushed my last lawnmower, and I've got a 10-year-old son who's almost old enough to start doing it for me. And that'll save me some extra money. Maybe it'll offset all the food he's eating. So we'll talk about yards. But before we do that, we're going to talk about Alzheimer's disease. This is National Alzheimer's Month and World's Alzheimer's Day coming up this next week. I got lots of questions for Dr. Paul Schultz, Schultz I said correctly, from over at uh, UT Health Consortium on Aging. Uh, and his answers, I, I expect, his answers should bring some encouragement for those of you who Uh, Let's be frank about this. We'll be diagnosed with this progressive disease over the next year or two or three or five. And as if all that weren't going to be enough, we'll talk talk with uh, Dr. Scott Shamblo. Shamblo or Shamblot. I'm not sure. I'll have to find out when we get on the air with him about things your dentist wants you to know but may not have time to tell you. I got some questions for him for sure. My dentist is pretty good about sharing information, and uh, he's got all the latest gadgets It's up to us to take advantage of all that technology when we're there and to listen when they start talking. By the way, for those of you who remember me talking about my generator, the one I let sit too long with ethanol-laced gas in it, here's an update. The manufacturer still has the carburetor on national back order. There is not a carburetor for this thing in the entire United States, and there's no news on when one will come available. That is not the news I wanted. Fingers crossed I don't actually need this thing before the part shows up, whatever, whatever year that turns out to be. In the present, a quick reminder about my two longest-running sponsors, Senior Resource Guide and UT Health Consortium on Aging. Senior Resource Guide is where you go for goods and services of interest to us, and it's at srgserv.com. That's my friend Karen Dean. She's run that place. She and her husband are the publishers of Senior Resource Guide. There is a print version Looks kind of like Reader's Digest, and it's jammed with, I don't know, a couple of thousand goods and services of interest to us. And then there's the Consortium on Aging, UT Health Science Center's Consortium on Aging, which addresses all things of medical origin importance and importance to us. A list that grows a little longer every time we celebrate another birthday, I might say. Uh, You'll find its content along with news about 50 plus at uth.edu slash aging. By the way, if you want to earn a ton of money in the stock market, here's another tip for you. Just wait for me to sell something, buy it that same day, and then wait about three months. I sold a stock about three months ago. and I, Granted, I made a nice return on it, but from the time I sold it to now, it went up another 30%, maybe a little more. I've tried not to look because, because I did okay on it, but but man, oh, man. Another 30%? That would have been sweet. If you've been through a dozen or more rises and falls of the stock market in your lifetime, you are in the right place, and you know how it feels. This is 50 Plus. There's a whole lot more coming up right after this.
0: Aged to perfection. This is 50 Plus. With Doug Pike.
3: Maybe you can drive my car. Uh, no, you can't. Not back when I was old enough for that to matter. I, if only I was going to drive that car. It was, it was pretty aggressive. Welcome back to 50 Plus. Uh, Appreciate your time today. Appreciate you listening. Every year around this time, I get to shine a light on Alzheimer's disease, which continues to uh, devastate one person after another, one family after another. September, National Alzheimer's Month, and this coming Thursday, World Alzheimer's Day. To help us understand this horrible disease and how it steals our minds is Dr. Paul Schultz. I'll get him on the phone here, a neurologist with McGovern Medical School at UT Health. And the Memorial Herman Misher Neuroscience Institute and the Medical Center. Thanks for your time today, Dr. Schultz. Thank you for having me, sir. I appreciate it. Let, let's start with a, a simple definition—the uh, simplest one you can offer to this audience for what Alzheimer's disease is.
4: Mm-hmm. So, dementia is the category, like a cough, and there's many causes of it. Okay. The most common cause of dementia in the United States is Alzheimer's disease. Mm-hmm. And it's caused by the accumulation of a protein in the brain that should be metabolized and gotten rid of. And in some people, it hangs around and starts a whole sequence of events that ele- eventually leads to the cognitive issues like memory loss that people associate with it.
3: Is this, is this protein metabolized in youth and it just slowly gets less and less, metabol- kind of like fat hangs around and it doesn't get burned off? That's exactly right. Okay. Uh,
4: all of the proteins
3: in our body get
4: turned over over time, and there's one protein that we all have in our brain that we're all turning over, and some people turn it over just slightly less than everybody else, like 10%. Oh, wow. So by the time you're 50, 60, 70, 80, that's enough time that it's accumulated enough to cause symptoms.
3: And it just kind of blocks the transmission of signals through the brain?
4: That's right. It It, okay, uh, it does learning. that, and then it directly affects the health of the brain cells, So eventually you start losing brain cells as well, and that's when people notice a lot of symptoms, of course.
3: Sure. About about how many people have Alzheimer's in our country?
4: Oh, at least five and a half million. It might be more than that because it's hard to, uh, Mm -hmm. to say for sure. And there's several million people with other causes of dementia as well. So you put all that together... And almost everybody in the United States has relatives or friends that are suffering from one of these diseases. Are there, are
3: there any specific categories of people, Dr. Schultz, who tend to get Alzheimer's more often than the rest of the population, more men than women, the reverse, about the same? What, what groups, maybe?
4: Yeah, that's a good question. So, uh, you know, men have their own problems, but it's twice uh, as common to have Alzheimer's in women as men. Wow. Uh, people that have had a series of concussions uh, are more likely, People with post traumatic stress disorder, like our veterans across the street from where I am, a twofold increase in, in dementia. Mm. And then all of the cardiovascular risk factors that you know about, you know, heart uh high cholesterol, high triglycerides, all of those are also risk factors. Smoking's a risk factor in that category as well. So there's lots of things that are that we can't do something about, but there's lots of things we can do something about like all the cardiovascular risk factors, to try to reduce the chances of getting one of these bad diseases.
3: Is this hereditary at all? Or do we a know? little bit.
1: Okay.
4: Yeah, there's, there's a certain percentage where it's every generation. There are also genetic risk factors that don't cause the disease, but they make it more likely. There's a, a gene called apolipoprotein E, for example, that raises the risk a couple fold.
3: Mm-hmm. It seems logical that our brains would would show signs of age like any other organ. Is that is that the short answer as to why our odds of getting Alzheimer's increase with age, really? Well, we do lose about 40%
4: of our memory by the time we're 80 normally. But oh. in Alzheimer's, it's, it's folks that are off of that curve and have lost more than that, you know, 60 or 80%. We think that it's age-related uh, because the accumulation of protein sets mm-hmm. in in series a cascade of events and that accumulation takes a long time to occur now i saw a poor gentleman this morning that had the onset at age 35
1: oh my so gosh
4: you can have real bad luck too but the normal person starting at about age 60 it's about 1% of the population and then it doubles every 5 years just because of the way the protein accumulates so 2% at 65 and then it's about a third of people at 85 maybe half of people at age 90 get alzheimer's disease
3: wow the, the 40% memory loss at what did you say, 80 or 85, yeah. bothers me a little. If, if, it, if only we could choose what we we're going to forget, that might not be so bad, huh?
4: Oh, that would work, yeah. Wouldn't
3: it? <laughs> is, is there any change over the past few decades in the frequency of early onset Alzheimer's, like you were mentioning?
4: Not that we can okay. tell. No, it's real hard to tell because, honestly, up till six years ago, uh, we did not have a way of diagnosing it while people were alive.
3: Oh, boy, that's and, not good.
4: Yeah, and that made it a problem 10 years ago, 20 years ago. You don't know what people really had back then. Uh, so the statistics are a little tough, but as far as we can tell, other than certain lifestyle things, like you know more football players now than 200 years ago, uh, there don't seem to be anything so far that we've been able to identify that is making it more common in uh, nowadays.
3: You mentioned a better way to diagnose. How How do you do that? Well, we for diagnosing,
4: we have a whole series of things we do, cognitive testing, MRI, blood work. The advance in the last uh, six years versus before that is we now have PET scans that can tell us uh, whether someone has accumulated this abnormal protein in the oh, brain wow. or not called okay. amyloid. Yeah, we can see it on imaging. Okay. In fact, the fascinating thing is we can see it up to 20 years before someone has their first symptom.
1: Holy cow.
4: Yeah, so if any of your audience members are worried about Alzheimer's because they have a loved one uh, with it, like a parent, uh, and they're over age 60, they might want to come in and see us either for studies or so we can advise them about how, you know, risk factor management, how to reduce the chances of getting this.
3: Dr. Paul Schultz here on 50 Plus. Before we scare everybody, Doc, can we agree that occasionally forgetting where we put our keys or or somebody's name doesn't mean we've got Alzheimer's or dementia? (laughs)
4: Well, not to personalize it, but I'm hoping that putting my keys in the icebox doesn't mean that I'm getting it too
3: now. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. For example, huh? example. Oh, my. Just hypothetically, if somebody were to do that, <laughs> right. yeah, every now and then I'll I'll stumble over something and think, "Okay, what's this?" And fortunately, I I've interviewed you here and and a couple of other doctors over the years who have said that's okay. That's okay. So so when a person comes to you, though, with increasing memory loss, maybe she, he or she's forgotten a couple of doctor's appointments, you, you put them through these tests, and you can pretty much tell definitively whether they are either, they already have a, a certain stage of Alzheimer's or it's coming, right?
4: That's right. Wow. And it's And it's painless. So don't mm-hmm. don't be, and remember, too, that all of our treatments, whether it's the currently proven ones or our testing ones they're all best the earlier someone comes in. So that's critical to come in early. The other thing is use your loved one as your guide. Uh, Like if I'm forgetting more than my wife, who's the same age as Mm -hmm. me, that would be a sign that I should come in.
3: Okay. And it's important to catch it early because there are some treatment options that'll at least slow the progression, right? Yeah. The medications we have now are very helpful,
4: but they're Uh, They're symptomatic, we call them, meaning they don't have a big effect on the underlying process, but they're definitely worth being on. And the earlier you get on, the better. The big thing is that we have lots of treatment trials going on now, really fascinating and wonderful, and honestly, I have to say blessed. Mm -hmm. We're blessed to have these opportunities to be testing new medications out, and all of them that we've tested so far seem to work much better in people who are early. So come in early. Let us put you in a treatment trial, and God willing, we'll find something that helps you and other people down the road, do this, or at least other people. Do down
3: the treatments you're working with now? Are you do you foresee a cure, or are you able to just delay the onset of the worst of the symptoms? Well, I'm an
4: optimist, so yeah. take everything I say with a grain of salt. But I, you know, there's an Alzheimer's Association commercial saying the first person we cure is probably alive today, and I think that's true.
1: Yeah. I don't
4: know when, when that's going to be. But we're seeing so many hints of positive signals in our trials that I'm thinking that as we tweak things a little bit further, we're going to start seeing positive trials come out. Whether they delay it or prevent it, we'll have to see. Uh, If it only delays it and doesn't prevent it, we'll keep tweaking it. We're going to be here a long time doing this. Mm -hmm. But I think somewhere in the next five to 10 years, there's going to be some very significant announcements on this. Mm
3: -hmm. What's, What's the average timeline, Dr. Schultz, currently... From diagnosis to the onset of really serious symptoms, and maybe having to move somebody into a memory care facility,
4: it varies a lot by person sure. and also by age. So the younger onsets tend to be faster, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, remember that the pathophysiology in the brain, the process has been going on about twenty years the day we first see someone. Oh,
3: that's a good point. Yeah,
4: yeah, and then and then things are continuing on from there. You know, and anywhere from a few years to a decade or more is when people need significant care. But I tell you, it's very sad, but it motivates us every day when we see that to keep studying this disease. It's what makes us get in here every day and do these trials, knowing that we're seeing every day these poor folks who are just like you and I who suddenly start losing their capacity, and and it breaks your heart and it breaks their loved one's heart to see their loved one losing uh, different functions every day.
3: Yeah, we're down to about the last few seconds, but this is really difficult on the families, isn't it?
4: oh my God, it's terrible. Yeah, it's it's yeah. absolutely devastating to families. Yeah, Don't delay. Come in and see us. Let us help you. Let us do studies on this. And, and God willing, we're going to find some good stuff here.
3: Before I put my keys in the icebox. Exactly. Fingers crossed. All right. Well, yeah, you're okay. I bet you're okay. I'm, I'm certainly glad to have you on this team, Dr. Schultz. Thank you very much. That's been really insightful. I appreciate it.
4: Thank you for having me, yes, sir. Very sir. much.
3: My pleasure. All right, coming up next on 50 Plus, we'll take a trip to the dentist. Uh, A good dentist, a happy dentist, one who will make you feel good about going there. Next on 50 Plus.
0: What's life without a nap? I suggest you go to bed and sleep it off. Just wait until after the show's over. Back to Doug Pike as 50 Plus continues.
3: Don't you feel it coming? Day by day. I bet you do. May not have time for the lyrics. We got we have business to tend to here. Welcome back to 50 Plus, and thanks to Dr. Schultz for his information on Alzheimer's disease. Shift gears now to another important part of our heads, and that's our mouths, the part up in the front. We all go to the dentist, but none of us probably wants to sit around after the work's done and chit-chat. We want out. We want out of the chair, out of the office, out of the building. Uh, on that, On that, well, I don't know what kind of a note to call that. On that note, I will welcome to the program Dr. Scott Shamblot, author of – oh, gosh, the phone's way over here. There we go. The author of Fear-Free Dental Care, Finding a Dentist You Can Love. That's a tall order, Doc. It
2: is. Thank you for having
3: me. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for your time. I saw some interesting things in the material I was sent. First of all, you dentists know what we had for breakfast or lunch as soon as we say, ah, don't you? Usually we do. Um <laughs> Some, some foods show up a little
2: better than others. Bet. Um, I mean, it, like Oreos, Cheetos, <laughs> lettuce. Yeah, it, it's pretty hard oh, to get all the little lettuce fragments out of mm-hmm. your teeth. So w- we can tell pretty quickly.
3: You just kind of let that go, though, don't you? Yeah,
2: you, you learn to just kind of move sure. beyond.
3: Or is that? I figured that might be part of why you wear those masks too. Do they help on your end?
2: Uh, it it does. If you, if you want a little heavy on the garlic before your appointment, yeah, the mask comes in pretty handy.
3: Honestly, before I go to the dentist, I I try to find a place either to brush my teeth or at the very least hit the mouthwash pretty good. I just, that's out of respect to the position you guys are in.
2: As a member of the dental profession, I thank you for that. You're
3: quite welcome, my friend. You are quite welcome. So let's talk about one of the things I saw on there first about root canals. I've, I've been there. I've done that. And I'll agree that it wasn't nearly as painful as I expected. Talk about that for a minute.
2: Well, for some reason, the media has decided that root canals are the most evil thing on the planet and most uncomfortable things on the planet, and they're really not. Um, if your tooth doesn't hurt going into a root canal, it's going to come out with You know, a a quick, easy recovery. If you've got a raging toothache going into a root canal, your recovery is going to be a little bit more involved. But during the root canal, your dentist should make you incredibly numb so that the most you feel is a little vibration and a little pressure. That should be about all you experience.
3: That's about all I want to experience, actually. The closest I came to ever having something really, really hurt, and I've got a pretty high threshold for pain, but I had a little benign cyst in the back of my neck that had to be removed. And about 80% of the way through the removal process – the the numbing material started to wear off and I flinched once and the doctor said you want another shot I said how much longer he said about thirty seconds I said get it just get it I want it out of there now then, so who's a going back to the the numbing process for dental work who's a better candidate for for novocaine and who's better for nitrous oxide and then maybe even sedation dentistry
2: well. Everybody gets Novocaine. In my office, everybody gets Novocaine.
1: Okay. Um,
2: so it, it's kind of the, the basis for everything because if we can block pain at the at the lowest possible level, everything right. else is going to be infinitely more comfortable. So nitrous oxide, it doesn't put people to sleep. It doesn't give you amnesia, but it kind of takes the edge off. It's kind of like having a drink or two. And the nice thing about it is when we're done, we give you five to ten minutes of pure oxygen and it washes all the effects out of the out of your system. Well that's you disappointing can drive a car, go back to work oh. or whatever.
3: Yeah, well I just leave it in there and get somebody to drive me home and just take advantage well, of the
2: <laughs> Yeah. Sure. and, and then so that's for people who have, you know, some, a little bit of anxiety about a procedure, right. don't really want to sit there for very long, mm-hmm. that, that type of circumstance. For people with more severe dental phobia, dental anxiety, um, then we move more towards IV sedation dentistry. Just knock and them out. The
1: yeah.
2: Yeah. The way I do it, I bring in a nurse anesthetist, and it's a, it's a deep level of sedation. Um, y- you're out. Yeah. And you're out for up to six hours, depending on how much work we need to get done. Right. And most people don't even remember being in the office.
3: What What are the risks associated with that? I've heard that sedation of any kind is kind of tough and risky.
2: Well, the, the, there's minor risks involved okay. with, with any kind of sedation. Sure. What we do to kind of mitigate that is before we sedate anybody, everybody goes to their physician and gets a full physical and level of surgical clearance. Same way if you were going to the hospital for abdominal surgery for something, you'd go to your physician and get checked out to make sure you're a healthy candidate for that. And we do the same level. And some of the things that we find are kind of mind boggling that For whatever reason, the patient didn't tell us about these things that would have put them at risk. And so we find out all these things ahead of time Mm -hmm. and make appropriate changes, or sometimes we have to cancel a sedation
3: because of it. Dr. Scott Shamblott with us, author of Fear-Free Dental Care, Finding a Dentist You Can Love on 50 Plus here. I saw something that probably doesn't apply so much to the folks in my audience, but uh, maybe more so to a lot of their grandchildren. Why are tongue piercings so bad?
2: The, the metal that the piercings are made out of is much harder than teeth are. Uh-oh. So when you when you play with it, you bite it, something's going to give, and it's going to be your tooth every <laughs> single time.
3: Oh, gosh. I, yeah, I just don't understand. I don't know if you ever saw the movie Rat Race, but there's a scene in there between two brothers, one of whom has a, a badly infected tongue piercing, and he asks his brother, you know, does it look like it's infected? And uh, the guy said, no, you're fine. Let's go. Now off they went. What's what's the latest on fluoride treatments? Fluoride, now we
2: put it on people's teeth. We used to use these kind of gel carriers and squirt that in there. Mm-hmm. Now it comes as, as a varnish, so it's literally just something oh, wow. we paint on at the gum line on your teeth, and it provides a tremendous benefit. Fluoride is kind of like armor plating against decay in your mouth. So the more fluoride you have, the better your chances of fighting off decay and not getting cavities.
3: Is that a one-time – my son got a one-time application of something. Is that what he got to protect his well, teeth? No,
2: the, the fluoride varnish should be reapplied a minimum of twice a year. Okay. For people that are more susceptible to decay that get more cavities, I would do it up to three or four times a year. Oh, okay.
3: For for this audience, let's uh, talk briefly also about store-bought teeth. Who are, who are the right candidates for maybe a crown or partial dentures or com- just a complete fresh set of teeth?
2: Well, cr- any time you have a, a broken tooth where um, part of the tooth is missing or a filling gets too big on a tooth, um, that that's when you're a candidate for a crown. Because okay. a crown is going to sit over the top of the tooth and hold the tooth together mm-hmm. the same way um, a cast does for a broken bone.
3: Okay. That makes sense. Fill in this blank for me, uh, Doctor Shamblot. If a patient is down to fewer than X of his or her own teeth, it's time to just pull the rest and build a new set. they're down to
2: just a couple, yeah. um, maybe a handful.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, it, it depends on where they are. If if you've got you know five teeth and they're strategically located, then I can make a partial to fill in the okay. spaces. We can hold on to what you've got, and it also depends upper or lower because. Dentures work fairly well for the uppers because you can make a a vacuum seal or a suction and hold it in place, and they work pretty well. But on the bottom, there's no way to get a vacuum or a suction seal. Okay. So literally, it's gravity and love that holds the lower oh,
3: denture in. On that note, Dr. Shamblot, we're going to have to roll out of here. Thank you so much, Dr. Scott Shamblot, author of Fear-Free Dental Care, Finding a Dentist You Can Love. I'd come to you. You sound like a pretty easygoing guy and not going to hurt me. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. Yes, sir. My pleasure. All right, coming up next, how to keep these wet sopping yards of ours healthy through all the rain until it dries out. Whenever that may be, more 50 Plus coming up. Eagle
0: flew out of the night. They sure don't make them like they used to. That's why every few months we wash him, check his fluids, and spray on a fresh coat of wax. This is 50 Plus with Doug Pike.
1: If everybody had a nose
3: 50 plus continues on this predicted to be sunny at least semi sunny i don't know whether to call some of these days partly cloudy partly sunny whatever just if if i see the sun at all for more than three minutes straight today i'll be happy thanks for listening thanks for listening to the program our our yards our shrubs our trees have endured steady rain for what 10 12 days Timely water, essential to plants, but incessant water can cause all sorts of problems. To help us, to help our landscapes, welcome, there he is, Cliff Carson from yearroundhouston.com. Thanks for the time, Cliff.
5: Oh, thanks for having us on. I appreciate
3: it. My pleasure. Any idea how much rain the average yard around here has gotten in the past two weeks? You know, it's tough to say.
5: Uh, Our our clients down in Pearland, Friendswood, Clear Lake, in the coastal counties, rather, have gotten... uh, much greater amounts than our clients in the woodlands and in Cyprus. Yeah, I'm kind uh, so of,
3: it's I've it, got my it, fingers crossed for that Conroe area because I've got golf to play today and tomorrow. So <laughs> yeah. well,
5: so far so good. Yeah, uh, yeah. It seems to be uh, the sun is shining and uh, the clouds are fluffy.
3: I think the the consensus on how much rain that this entire region's gotten over the last two weeks is too much. I, I can't remember a day with no rain at my house for at least these two weeks, right? At least a pop-up shower that seems yeah. to
5: be kind of the trend. Mm-hmm. Uh, there hasn't been uh, anything sitting over us like we sometimes Oh, don't they, even
3: say that, man.
5: Though they might hear us. Yes, sir. Yeah, uh,
3: oh, my gosh. So, so let's start with the, the biggest part of most yards, which is the grass. That that much water can't be good for St. Augustine, can it? It can cause some problems.
2: Uh,
5: I'll be quite honest. Much of what we see uh, with existing clients and some of the newer folks that have us come out and take a look is that uh, – We've been getting sufficient rainfall, uh, but the, if the, the sprinkler systems are still on, uh, then there's no question that they're getting too much water.
3: Let me just tell uh, you a little secret that you'll understand. My neighbor's sprinkler was going off this morning. We, we see some... You uh, might want to call on him. Our, on our... Uh... <laughs> so these lawns get wet, the sprinklers are going off, uh, and there's just not a... there's we got to get that water off the yard somehow, but we can't just turn on fans and take a bunch of big towels out there, can we? Uh,
5: correct. And so the, the first thing that we're encouraging clients to do is go ahead and turn off the sprinkler system. Uh, the, uh, most of the newer homes have the, the sensors. It's required, but uh, we've seen many faulty sensors. Uh, they're They're not made of titanium, so we can get false readings. And oftentimes we have a a day of of dryness so the the sensor dries off when you got three inches of rain one or two days ago Uh, so of course that's going to be excessive water Um, the remedies can be difficult it's one of those less is more type of situations where it's a lot easier to water a lawn if and when it needs it than it is to try and dry out a, a lawn that's saturated be it by mother nature or by the the irrigation system.
3: Yeah, I know when my neighbors goes off, because one of the heads, uh, about every minute or so, hits his gutter downspout. Oh, goodness. Oh, it'll knock your ears off, let me tell you. (laughs) Cliff Carson from yearroundhouston.com. So talk about what we can do with all this fungus that's showing up on the grass.
5: Uh, The the first thing we need to do, of course, as we mentioned, was was control the water. Right. uh, uh, And then... uh, if and when there's a problem, we've still got plenty of time in the in the season to hopefully that'll that'll dry out, as well as the grass has some time to recover. Uh, some professionals will recommend that you use a fungicide uh, to control it. It'll it'll kill the brown patch fungus, and that's very true. What we found as a uh, service provider is that it's kind of like taking an antibiotic. You're killing the good guys and the bad guys. So what we want to do is is as opposed to just just Killing all the fungus is we want to promote the the healthier fungus uh, promote the soil health to kind of recover from those brown spots. Okay. We will typically use a soil inoculant uh, the the brand which is actually a Houston brand is uh, it's microlites MicroGrow. Okay. it's got a lot of great stuff in it. you can it's something that's that's safe enough and, and beneficial enough to use on the on the whole yard, but for the most part we'll use that as spot treatment uh, another great strategy is to use a high-quality compost. We use a, another a very uh, high-quality Houston company, Nature's Way. Uh, they're based up mm-hmm. in Conroe, but they distribute throughout the greater Houston area okay. uh, to spot treat with uh, a compost in those trouble areas. That, again, is really going to help foster some of the beneficial microbes, the, the good guys, as it were, and uh, help to green up that grass. I and and so. actually, the compost is going to add... Uh, it's not leveling by any means, but it will sure. add a bit more material to kind of, if it tends to be in a low spot that's holding water, it will kind of help to to fill in that spot over time.
3: We get enough rain to kill all the bugs, too? I hate those little grub worms. They ate up half of Sugar Land a couple of years ago.
5: It, it seemed we had two years that were just lousy with oh, the webworms.
3: worms.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
5: they got quite a bit of lawns. Uh, we were fortunate enough to have only about 10% of our clients end up with an issue. Uh, we and that's not to say they didn't they didn't come through the Houston area. Uh, we didn't have any calls uh, from our clients regarding the webworms. We were we were spot treating a lot of folks that were nervous about them. For yeah, the last I had two that. Years.
1: I did. It was I, horrible.
5: I, I think the the hard freeze uh, last winter and the, the snow in December had uh, it was a, a contributing factor to help minimize that issue.
1: Boy,
3: I uh, hope so.
5: Now the chinch bugs, which a lot of people misidentify as the just the grass drying out, it right. tends to start. Along the edges of driveways, of sidewalks, they, they like the warmth of the concrete, okay. and then they just kind of spread out from there. Uh, those were an issue for some clients, uh, new and existing. Um, I think most of that, they, they really like the hot weather, the hot dry weather, which we had a good stretch of in July and August. Um, but for the most part, we haven't been getting any calls for new cases of those. Um, with either situation, the first thing you want to do before trying to um, find a long-term solution is to control the outbreak. Hey, Clint, uh, whether you me, use it,
3: I don't want to stop. I let's focus. I want to focus on these wet trees we got right now because if we do get some wind uh, between now and the end of September, and this ground is so wet, what would look what would a tree look like that's more likely to fall than the rest of them? Uh,
5: probably it hasn't been pruned in a number of years you, you 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 got no sunlight coming through it it's it's casting uh solid shade on the on the ground um We recommend clients uh reach out to a certified arborist here in town and and get them thinned uh at least once every two years uh once a year it tends to be tends to be great for both the tree as well as the the grass underneath it so it's getting enough filtered sunlight to to really
3: thrive. What's the biggest mistake Houstonians make with their landscapes um
5: uh, Overwatering and yep. not mowing at the appropriate height.
3: Oh, uh, they mow it too tight, don't they? Make it look like a golf course green and it's not good majority, for your
5: grass. Yes, sir. A majority of our yards are St. Augustine. Uh, Bermuda and Zoysia. are getting a little more popular, but for the most mm-hmm. part, it's St. Augustine lawns we're seeing. Right. And uh, you can get away with mowing them two and a half, three inches in the cooler months, but uh, during the summer, uh, all, the, all the organic or all the fertilizer in the world, all the compost in the world, all the watering in the world, it's it's going to cook. Yeah, in, you know July and August, so
1: mm-hmm.
5: and that's something that, again we help clients with with their their practices to to make sure that the watering is adequate but not too much, as well as that the that the height is is appropriate.
3: On a personal note, Cliff, I've fought buttonweed in the backyard forever and can't get rid of you. Can't get rid of it short of just setting it on fire and replacing it. What can I do?
5: <laughs> that is one option. Ooh,
1: yeah,
3: I'm
5: considering uh, it. Yeah, with the with the the Virginia buttonweed, we've seen that issue kind of almost getting worse every year. Uh, the best way to combat it, and not to be flippant, is to to have a healthy lawn. Yeah, you know, the healthier your grass is, the better off it's going to outcompete some weeds. Uh, having said that, the, the reason weeds are weeds is because they do better. They don't need a whole lot of TLC to, mm-hmm. to just pop up anywhere and kind of thrive. Uh, I've seen that the you know our clients that don't even have an irrigation system tend not to have any issues with Virginia buttonweed. Uh, so okay. I, I think they kind of favor a little more moisture. Again, coming back, you know, I hate to hate to belabor the point of the, the watering, but it's something to monitor. Uh, but the remedy uh, that we've had, for a while there, it was really too hot to use any of the, the whether it be commercially available or anything at the, the some of the nursery centers, really kind of too hot to use anything that wouldn't harm the grass as mm-hmm. well. As our temperatures start to, Stick around, you know, the, the low to mid-80s. Uh, we're a little bit safer for a spot treating with the broadleaf herbicide. Uh,
3: oh, I'm going to be spot treating all
5: right. It's just very important. There are some that, that are still for sale, but they're, they're more weather dependent. Okay. Uh, that's something that you wouldn't want to use until you know, November, December. So it's real important just to, well, with any product, that you read the label and uh, make sure that uh, you're using in the right dosages depending on the grass you have as well as that uh, you're not, if it's temperature sensitive, that that we're not going to really negatively affect the
3: grass. Will do. Cliff Carson, yearroundhouston.com. He'll come see you. He'll fix your yard. Thanks, Cliff. My pleasure. Appreciate it, buddy. All right, that's going to wrap it up for 50 plus. Appreciate you listening. We learned about Alzheimer's. We got some news from a good dentist. We'll be back next week with more. Thanks a lot. Adios.